Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. Hey, today we're doing another bonus episode for you where we are continuing to uh, provide these uh, almost daily Facebook Lives where we're just having different conversations with uh, those in the speaking industry, talking about how they're adapting, what we can be doing, and how we can uh, stay ahead of the curve and uh, hopefully overcome this together, which I know we can and I know we will. Yes, we can. I don't know what that was about. That was weird. Uh, not going to lie. All right. So today we're talking with my buddy, uh, Mike Pacquion. Mike is a, uh, a speaker coach, has ha- had a lot of experience in the speaking industry. As we talk about what can speakers be doing right now to be working on and improving their talk, not wasting this time, but really taking advantage of the opportunity that we've been given. So uh, Mike shares some great insights here. I think you can enjoy this. So uh, let's jump into this conversation with Mike Pacquion. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here today, joined by my buddy, Mr. Mike Pacquion. And uh, today we're going to be talking about all things speaking in the thick of this uh, this weird COVID world that we live in. So uh, if you've been following along, we've been doing a series of these conversations and interviews with different people in the speaking industry, speakers, uh, event planners, uh, speaker bureaus, all sorts of things. And uh, so today we're talking with Mike. Mike is a, uh, a I'm going to call him a speaker coach to the stars. Yeah, that's good. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Mike is a, uh, a good friend. We've known each other for several years. Uh, has been in the speaking industry for many, many years. Done a lot on the corporate training side, especially working with speakers on their presentations and on their talks. And so uh, we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, also talking about some tips and strategies for virtual speaking, something that uh, many of us may be suddenly finding ourselves getting into. So Mike, thanks for joining us, my friend. How, uh, how are you holding up? You're up in the, the Portland area. You have a, um, I was going to say newborn, but you're closing in on a year, right? Yeah, we're at uh, almost 10 months, 10 months and two okay. years now. Yeah, uh, oh. we're holding up okay. I'm on a lot more dad duty than I anticipated in my first year of being a parent. Quarantine life is treating you okay? You're going to make um, it? Yeah, it's ultimately a good thing. I've been, when I've needed a break, I've been a little disappointed at, um, I heard all these rumors of screen time addiction and that's not really come true, but it's been good. It's been good. I've I've enjoyed I've enjoyed being a dad. I've enjoyed working with people while being a dad. So we're cool. hanging in there. All right. So for people who aren't familiar with this, give us kind of the nutshell of what you do as a speaker coach and how you help speakers. Yeah, I like to tell people I, I, I help speakers deliver the best speech of their life. So that can be virtual, that can be face-to-face, that can be wherever, but it's like down and dirty. Like let's really think through what's going to make this speech land. So not just here's the stuff I know, but like, how can we make this part funny? How can we make this part more interesting? How can we make this part here set up this part over here? It's thinking through the whole process, working through it again, 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 so that that is a speech that when we're finished, you can be totally confident in. That's what I'm talking about with. 
Right, right, right. And so uh, a lot of speakers have a difficult time with that part because they know that it matters. It's like really sitting down to do difficult work of staring at a screen or staring at a, at a piece of paper and really thinking through, how do I put this talk together? I know there's a story here. I know there's an idea here. I know there's a concept here. But going from that to like on the stage and it's polished and it's ready to deliver, it's a lot of work there. And so a lot of speakers are like, yeah, I'll get to it at some point. Well, suddenly we all have a lot of free time and this is a good opportunity for speakers to be working on their craft and working on the talk. So what would be some ideas of like, what should a speaker be doing right now to make sure that we're not just wasting this time, but things we could be doing specifically as it relates to the talk to make yeah. sure that whenever we give that, that next talk, uh, and it's going to be coming sooner rather than later, um, but whenever we give that next presentation that we make sure like we've, we haven't wasted this time, but we've really dialed in the talk to make it great. So what, what, what can we be doing right now? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is, assuming you have a recording of it, I would get feedback from other people. Now, you should probably always be doing that. But specific to right now, here's what I would do. I would send it to friends X, Y, and Z. I mean, if you can send that to 10 people, that's great. I would ask them a simple survey. So your temptation is going to be to just be like, was that good? But everybody, like, everybody will tell you, yeah, it was good. Or you're right. just going to ask, what did you think? Oh, it was good. Right. Everybody will say it was good. What you need to do instead is to ask some pretty specific questions. What do you think the point of that talk was? What was the best part? Was there anything that left you feeling confused? Was there anything that left you feeling angry, upset? Ask questions that will actually help you to create a better talk. You'd be surprised how many times you've put together this talk that you think is awesome. Like I've sat in on TED Talks like this, man. Yeah. I thought, like, I remember the first time I went to a round of TED Talks, I figured every single one would blow my mind. But in truth, those are just the ones that make the main website. Yeah. Most of those TED Talks, I did not know what the point was. And yeah. it's crazy how often that happens. Do you think most speakers, though, are just um, naive to the fact of feeling like, like, because because we're right here, like I heard it's... Um, it's trying to, what was the phrase? Like, well, well two phrases. One, um, it's trying to read the label from inside the jar. Um, and it's trying to see the Mona Lisa with your nose pressed up against it. You know, you're just like, you're so close to it that you're just like, well, of course it's good. You know, like people have laughed at it before, if it's made sense before, yeah. or you just kind of like, it's worked before. So why would I change anything? Why would I do anything? So, so how do you, like, how can a speaker kind of like mentally separate themselves at this point to like really objectively look at the content, not just be like, well, it's worked before, so it should work. It should still be fine. Yeah. Um, really take the time to, to really improve it at this moment. Yep. So the good news is at this point, you probably have not delivered that speech from stage in at least a month. Yeah. That is ample time for your brain to be able to look at it objectively. So that's, that's good news about this for sure. Some people have presented it virtually probably. So that's going to, that's going to hamper it a little bit. Um, what I would do is separate to when you were going to evaluate your own talk, but sit down with a piece of paper or your iPad or whatever you use, jot down your list of like, what makes for a great talk? So is it funny? Like, um, are there stories that you remember? How long did the stories take? How does it start? How does it end? I would sit down, I would literally create my list and then objectively, a few days later, take a look at that list and see, okay, one to 10, how do I do in all of these? How do I do in all of these categories? You'll have a much more objective view that way. 
So even whenever you're watching uh, like the video, for example, if you have a video from a, a previous talk that you've given and you go back and you watch that, um, what are the other things that you should be looking for? In addition to the, the content, but there's also going to be the, the, you know, the, the presentation yeah. of, of how you are delivering it or, you know, what you're doing with your hands or your face or the, I think I like the, the Ricky Bobby of like, I don't know what to do with my hands right, right now. Right. So, uh, so what, what are the other things that we should be looking for there? Um, one of my big things is, does this point that I'm making feel long? Does the intro feel long? Those are the things you really start to see when you're able to look at it objectively. Because man, <clears throat> on stage, like I'm up there, they're laughing at my jokes. This story's going well. In my mind, I could just hang out forever on stage. But yeah. when you look at it, and like, to be fair, in the moment, is a little bit different from watching it on recording, like to be fair. Right, right. But it's pretty easy to go on for too long. Right, right. Um, so time, a long way to answer your question, time is one of the very big ones that I would look for. So time, um, length of, of, of stories, transitions, what other things um, should we be looking for that that really can like make or break a, 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 yeah, a talk? Totally. So from a delivery standpoint, um, some of you have probably heard this trick before. Press or turn the mute on and watch. Does this speaker now look animated? Are they making the same gesture over and over and over again? Are both hands operating as though they are connected on a string when they should actually be separate? Right. Turn the volume off. Watch yourself delivering. That should give you a pretty good idea. For uh, for a lot of speakers, that sounds like um, a very intimidating and um, potentially humiliating or embarrassing or just awkward. Uh, so I've heard I've heard do it a couple different things like like um, watch it without the audio um, and just watch yourself and what you're doing there. But then uh, listen to it without the video yeah. and see you know does this person sound monotone or is there any inflection or the speed or the volume or any of these things that again you feel like on the stage on the moment you're like oh I'm just I'm killing it right now uh, and but then you look back and like I, I there's no inflection or I talk way too fast or way too slow um, but do you think like again kind of getting back to do you think we're all self-aware enough to realize that and can make those changes or do you think like it's not possible without some type of outside honest realistic third party I think some people are good enough and most of us would do better to have a third party review it like one of the things that I, I help people with, so I'm like, I want you to deliver the best speech of your life. But for some people, that's just auditing their speech. Mm -hmm. Like this guy, Chris Norton, gives an awesome speech. He sent it to me. I'm used to people sending it to me and, I, and I'm like teaching them the basics. Right. And with Chris, I'm like, I'm, I'm like wordsmithing single lines here and there, right? Yeah. Um, but he just reached the point where he's like, this is as good as I know how to make it. And, uh, you know, I'm able to, to help him with it. But long way to say, like, a third party is usually going to be a better person to help you with. And one of the great things is you can, I mean, you can ask some of those questions. You can say, okay, so I gave this speech a month ago. I watched it now. This part felt long. Did you feel like this part was long? Yeah. Again, the more specific you can, the more that you can get specific feedback, you can ask about the things that you are curious about. Like, that, that just leaves you in a better spot. Philosophically, do you think that a speech is ever really finished? I don't know. I think you're supposed to say no to this, right? I don't know. I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer. Um, because, like to your to your point, like there are 
Um, there's some talks where you feel like, man, that was, that was really good. Or that was yeah. really polished. Or that was really dialed in. But at the same time, that, that talk may work or that speech may work for that moment, for that audience at that time. Um, and six months or a year or a couple years later, you know, the examples or the illustrations or the analogies or the case studies or whatever are like out of date or they're just no longer as relevant or they no longer make sense. Or you um, decided to deliver that speech. Yeah. Right, right, right. So it feels like it's, I mean, I, I think uh, for most part, like a speech is always kind of this work in progress yeah. that is never like, all right, I did it. I'm done, you know, but uh, trying to modify it and edit it based on, you know, the, the, that audience and for that environment and for that, you know, that client at that moment. I, yeah, I do think that um, there are speeches that are pretty darn close to being finished. Yeah. I think there are performances that are perfect and the speech might not be. Does that make sense? You got an you example? Had, you had that feeling where you walked off stage and you were just like, I did it. Right. <laughs> you had that feeling. Where is my gold medal? I need a gold medal for that. That talk was good. Well, usually, usually you get off stage and you're like, oh, I forgot to say blah, 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 blah. Or yeah. I love this line. But that, that feeling, that feeling when you get off and you're like, oh, that was good. I just did that. I mean, that is, <laughs> that's the best. All right. Let me ask you this. One of the things we were talking about before we went live here was that um, I think post all of this, there's going yeah. to be, this is going like, this is obviously like we've all said, this is a, one of the weirder things that's ever happened in any of our lifetimes and has certainly dramatically affected live events. And so I think the tendency in nature is going to be when we're coming out of this, we're on the other side of this, events are happening again, that the tendency would be for speakers to make all of their, you know, their examples or case studies or their illustrations about, hey, let's talk about quarantine. That was weird, yeah. wasn't it? You know, so it would be easy to just default to that and just want to talk a lot about that. But my my concern is like people are going to be in some ways like sick of it. I'm just like, yeah, you can mention it, but like don't like don't camp on it. Don't spend your whole yeah. talk on it. Don't talk about, you know, how to survive the next quarantine or whatever. So how do speakers like someone address this elephant in the room, but not make these like dramatic sweeping changes to their their talks or their presentations or the examples or case studies that they're using? Yeah. <clears throat> First thing that jumps to mind, like how many emails have you had, have you received from companies that are trying to address their customers, but they all start the exact same, right? Like every single one starts like over the past few weeks, these unforeseen circumstances, this is tragic, like all this. And I'm not, I'm not making light of it, but they, right. they all sound the same. And that's what's going to happen with speakers. Yeah. Like every gonna, everybody's going to make a joke about like, oh, it's nice to not be in quarantine anymore. Right. Um, and maybe the very first person who does that, it'll be funny. Well, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know. I'd love to hear your thought on this. But like to me, <clears throat> you have to connect it to your topic or you need to very lightly mention it. But you don't have to mention it. Yeah. So like, I'm working with this guy, Brad Herding, right? Herdig right now. I can't say his name. H-U-R-T-I-G. <laughs> uh, Brad is, his life has been crazy. He uh, he lost both his arms in an accident, came back to play football his senior year, and I think led the team in tackles with no arm. I mean, he has prosthetics, right? Wow. So uh, That and some other things has launched Brad into a speaking career. His whole thing is called Find A Way. Dude, Find A Way makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Talking about COVID. Yeah. America needs resilience. Yeah. That makes perfect sense for him. Yeah. For a lot of topics, like 
it doesn't make that much sense. Yeah. So you can, I think you can lightly put it in there. Yeah. You can say, you can have a, a paragraph basically where you say, you know, while I was on quarantine, I thought about what mattered. Like you, you can have little things like that, but please don't feel like you have to. Yeah. Everybody ha- will have been through it. Like there's not a place in the world that didn't go through it. Yeah. So it's not, it's probably not unique and special. Like I, I say that feeling unique and special, but like I, I wouldn't force it in there if it doesn't, if it doesn't work and it doesn't feel important. Yeah. I no, I would, no, I would agree with that because I think the, I think one, like you said, everyone's experienced it. Everyone. So it's not like, um, I was guys, check this out. I was in quarantine. Like, yeah, yeah. the world was, you know, yeah. so it's not, it's not going to be this like special thing. Um, and at the same time, I think like even right now, I mean, we're recording this on, on April 8th and we are, I don't know, give or take a month, a month and a half into this or, yeah. or whatever. Um, we're all a little sick of it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think like, especially after events, I think for a minute, at least we're going to be like, can we just not talk totally. about that? You know, like that whole thing that happened. Like, I just, it was weird. We all acknowledge it. It was this crazy thing, but like, I just want to get back to life. I just want to like have a normal life again. So if we could just, you know, like not spend a time. So like yeah. you said, if you're mentioning it in passing or if you're making a, a slight reference to it, that's mm-hmm. one thing. But like, I would not be like changing up your entire talk of, you know, how do we live life in a post COVID world? You know, like that, that, that seems, uh, that seems like way overkill. Yeah. I hundred percent think that. So, um, yeah, I mean, you and I were like joking about the jokes that everybody will make. Like everybody will try to make a quarantine joke or like, Oh, well, feels weird to shake a hand again. <laughs> it will feel weird to shake a hand again, but yeah. it, that doesn't mean that like the audience is going to crack up and certainly don't feel like that has to be in your talk. Yeah. 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 All right. Let me ask you this. Um, uh, now that uh, like at this very moment, live events, in-person events are not necessarily happening. Uh, a lot of people are transitioning to virtual events. And so for some speakers think, okay, I just, you know, I stand in front of a camera and I, I, I put on a suit or whatever, and I deliver my talk um, as if I normally would, but the dynamic is completely different. And yeah. so what are the ways that virtual speaking, a virtual presentation, a virtual keynote is going to be different than an in-person thing? Yeah. It's, so it's funny. I was, um, I, uh, I trained like 10,000 people in the corporate world on presenting and, um, 10,000 people means, I don't know, at least 10,000 questions I answered. They're not 10,000 different questions. Right. But 10,000 yeah. questions I answered. And one of the, the popular ones, not surprisingly was about speaker anxiety. Um, <clears throat> and one of the other popular questions I answered was how do you do remote presenting? But do you know, nobody ever connected those two. Like nobody yeah. was ever, I'm really nervous about presenting virtually. Yeah. Like, that never happened. I bring this up because that little anxiety you feel before a keynote, actually for most people that propels the keynote to a better level. Yeah. And before a virtual presentation, most people don't feel that anxiety because you don't see the eyes on you. Yeah. You don't feel like someone's there judging you. Right. And you would actually do well to consider that. Like I tell people the stakes are actually higher for a virtual presentation than an onstage one. Yeah. In the sense that it has to be better because like right now people listening to us, they can just tab over to something else, be on email. Yeah. All that. That's super easy to do. So um, I think a lot of people don't put the effort into virtual keynotes and they should. 
So um, anyway, let me give you some tips. Uh, number one, the pace should be a little bit faster. I'm not saying to move through more information faster, just that you should talk a little bit faster. So uh, people typically speak somewhere between 130, 150 words per minute. You probably want to bump that up a little bit. You don't need a timer next to you or anything, but just a touch faster is going to be helpful. Again, online, there is a lot less um, waiting around for the audience to react. So try to talk just a little bit faster. I'm not talking micro machines. Yeah. Reference, but just a little bit faster. I got the right. reference. Yeah. Just a little bit faster. Talk a little bit faster. I would also say more slides. If you're someone, if you're a speaker that uses slides, err on the side of more rather than less. Yeah. You know where that is, Grant? You're not a big slides guy, but do you know where that is? Um, yeah. Like, um, which that was one of the things I was kind of thinking of here is I'm not a slides guy. Uh, I don't have anything against slides, um, which is a common misconception. I think slides can be very effective. I just don't use slides, but I think like in the, um, in the online space, you almost, maybe you almost have to use slides um, because otherwise it is just a, literally a talking head on a screen. And there's so many other distractions that can be pulling at you. Like you said, it'd be, uh, there may be any number of people, you know, watching or listening, but they're also doing any number of other things uh, versus in an in-person thing. You're pretty much forced to pay attention, um, ideally, to the to the speaker there. So, um, yeah. And what I would say with that is because people are probably doing other things. No, hopefully not. But a lot of people will. The metric for most people as to should I pay attention again is type, 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 type. Let me go back to Grant's thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, the slide changed. Shoot. What did I miss? Yeah. So if you use more slides, that's a way of tricking people to pay attention to you again. Yeah. Um, so more slides rather than less. Uh, <clears throat> depending on the nature, like the format, I would consider making it more interactive. So your typical keynote, I don't know, outside of like, raise your hand if this is true, or I don't know, you might ask a question in the audience in the typical keynote on stage. Yeah. For a virtual keynote, I would actually give you permission to ask questions a lot. And maybe even call on people by name. I mean, it depends on the size and everything, right? But even calling on people by name is a good move. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one is to reiterate points. Again, people are going, be, going to be going in and out. Even if they're not, like just working from home, like while we've been on this call, like my dog has walked between my legs. There's just a lot going on like in your house unless you just have the, the setup really dialed in, it's naturally more distracting. So reiterate points more often than you usually would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that, just like if we if we look into the magic crystal ball up to the future, do you think that virtual events will become a bigger part of the speaking landscape? Like, is this, does this feel like a Band-Aid or does this feel like, I don't know, there, there could be something here in the future? I, I mean, I would be shocked if there's not more virtual events. Yeah. But I don't think... If people are hearing that and they're they're thinking that that means that they get replaced, like I don't think that'll happen at all. Yeah. Um, I think I, I heard you talking on the virtual summit with uh, Shane Sams about like people are going to need live events. Yeah. I mean that'll be so awesome the next time there is one. But I, I don't like please don't hear live events are going away. But I do think that there will be more. I do think that overall what's going to come out of this more companies are going to realize oh work from remotely can work. Yeah. There's always this stigma about it. No, it can work. Presenting yeah. remotely can work. Like that'll happen. And there'll yeah. be more virtual events. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Uh all right, Mike. Um, 
if people want to find out more about you and uh, and what what you're up to, where can we go? Yeah, MikeTalks.co. Mike, like my first name, not the microphone. MikeTalks.co.co. <laughs> yeah. And before we wrap up here, a, a nice comment from our mutual friend Jeff Rose, who said, "I can't trust anyone that is a Red Sox fan." Uh, are you a Red Sox fan? You used to be. You used to literally work for the Phillies, though. I used to work for the Phillies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Jeff should know. I mean, it feels like a long time ago that I was thinking about baseball. Do you, remember, do you remember sports? <laughs> sports were fun. <laughs> I will say I've been watching so many of the old like NCAA tournament games from 1997, and I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, my old friend. That was fun. Sports were neat. (laughs) All right, man. Thanks for the time. Always good to chat with you. Grant, always a pleasure, my friend. Speak well. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mike Pacchione. Uh, Again, I'd encourage you to check out his work over at MikeTalks.co. And uh, he's been on the podcast a couple times before. Great guy, great insights. Go check out all the interviews that we've done with him. Uh, And if there's anything else we can do to help you, serve you, support you during this weird and difficult time in the world, please don't hesitate to reach out. Let us know. We want to do whatever we can to help you. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. And uh, you're awesome.